So last week, we jumped into the book of Acts to look at the book of Philippians. Why? Because Philippians doesn't start in the book of Philippians. It starts in the journey as Paul went to the city of Philippi and met two significant people. One, if you guys remember, it was Lydia, the one who uh, was selling purple and her conversion and then the conversion of the family of the jailer in which him and Silas were in. That is the basis of what started the church in Philippi. And then you have Paul going on. By the way, he's going to move right on to the church in Thessalonica, which where we get the book of Thessalonians. And he's going to move all the way down into what we know as to Greece. Now, years pass, and what has happened is, is that Paul was told to go back home to Jerusalem. By the way, the Spirit told him when he went back to Jerusalem that something awaited him that he did not want to experience. And we found that what it was. He was arrested and ultimately ended up in Rome. He was arrested and ultimately ended up in Rome because that was God's plan for him. But again, that took a few years, and, and those of you that have looked at the Acts study and, and seen that can see how that all happens. So what's happening is, I want you to know that I, it is so hard for me because there's so many things I want to tell you that I can't tell you until we get to chapter 2. So come back for chapter 2. But I can't tell you those things today. And by the way, they're amazing. And you're missing out today, but come back for chapter 2. But what's happening is this church loves Paul. The Philippian church loves Paul. And they demonstrated that in chapter 2. But we start with chapter 1. So out of this, this, this that came to Paul in chapter 2, Paul is responding back with the book of Philippians. Are you guys with me? So we are hearing the response of Paul from the Philippians who from the church of Philippi who sent him something that you'll find out in chapter 2. He's responding to that with this letter back, and that's what we have. Now, he loves these people. Now, you have to understand, we are going to tear this book apart line by line, verse by verse, almost word by word. But that is not how the church of Philippi would have received this letter. They would have almost greedily, have you ever gotten a letter from someone and you just kind of tear the envelope open and you're just, you want to read it, right? And then you reread it and you reread it and you reread it. That's the context of this. They wanted to hear from him so desperately. Now, in doing so, though, Paul wants to share some things that are really important to him and they're on his heart. And that's where we begin in this book. Philippians chapter 1, starting in verse 1. Paul and Timothy, so therefore Timothy is with Paul as he is in prison in Rome. By the way, we understand that prison is house arrest. He's in chains. Timothy is with him, taking care of him. Servants of Christ Jesus to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi, writing to them, all these people at Philippi, with the overseers and deacons. Again, they have established a church there. They have overseers and deacons. It means they have elders and deacons, and they've established a hierarchy of a church in the city of Philippi. Verse 2, grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Right? That's what it's all about. Grace to you and peace from our God and Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, because that's what has come on the church at Philippi. Grace and peace. But it comes through Jesus. Verse 3, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you. Anytime he thinks of the people of Philippi, thinks of Lydia, thinks of the jailer's home, thinks of the church that started there, he goes, I thank God for you because what took place there. I thank God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you, all making my prayer with joy. 
which is why we have that as our theme. And you're going to see that come up again here in a few minutes. Because he has joy for them. Now, by, but remember, last week, the joy he has for them started with him being in the stocks with Silas, imprisoned by the people of the Romans. But out of that came a church. And there's joy for them in that. And so he's saying to this, listen, it's with joy that I remember you. It's with joy when I pray for you. And every joy, I mean, again, and there's this concept. Now remember, for those of you that don't know, you can't just exchange joy and happiness. They don't work that way. I can be joyful and therefore feel a, a feeling of being happy. But you need to understand that happiness is conditional. I'm happy when my car makes it to where I need it to go. I am unhappy when I'm on the side of the road and it is not working. But that doesn't take my joy. I can be conditionally not happy. But let's face it, folks. There's a lot of times we're just not happy. Amen? But I can have a joy underneath that that says, Hey, this thing is temporary. I'm going to get through this. But my joy is in something greater and more fulfilling. And by the way, this does not define me. And so what's happening in this is, is again, Paul has a joy, listen to me, sitting in jail in Rome. Why? Well, we're going to unpack that. Always in every prayer of mine for you, making all prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. They have stayed the course. From Lydia, from the jailer, this church has grown and done and moved in the way in which they should go. From the first day until now, they are living it out. And in chapter 2, you'll see how they lived it out. Boy, you really need to come back for chapter 2. So in this, I want you to know that he's saying, look, every day you have really just lived in this spot with me. Now, that's the intro. That's kind of the, the, you know, hello part that we would write. Hey, you know, dear. And that word dear, that's all we just read in the first five verses, right? Now let's get to the meat. This is what they're panicked about. They're panicked about Paul being in jail. So look how he responds. Verse 6. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. And I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Notice that what he's doing is he's putting the focus back on them. I know you're worried about me, and we're going to get to that, and Paul will explain where he's at. But he's going to start off by saying, I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. So whatever you're struggling through, whatever your, your, your issues are, know that he is working it out in you. Whatever you're facing, whatever you're going through, know that he is doing that work. And by the way, he began a good work in you, and he has not stopped. He has not stopped. But we do do something with our—it's like, well, I was doing good. And we again, I want you to kind of disconnect this concept that only when things are good is God working or things are okay. No, God works in the brokenness. God works in the struggle. He's in that pit with you at times. And by the way, it is in those moments of being in that pit that God goes, now I can really work with you because your eyes are fully on me. But again, as soon as we have trouble, we go, God, why did you do this to me? And God goes, because I'm growing you. 
Why did you allow this? Because I love you. And by the way, every one of you are absolutely evil to your kids. I'm going to tell you why. You let them, when they started walking, fall over. How dare you? I mean, why didn't you protect them? I mean, they started wobbling. You knew they were going down. Why didn't you come and scoop them up? Why didn't you, why didn't you let them fall, hit their heads, roll over, smack, trip? Sometimes you applauded when they fell over. How evil you are. Because we know something as parents. That's the process. Get up, fall down, hit your head, cry. Get up, fall down, hit your head, cry. And before you know it, you're going, remember the good old days when they didn't walk? I love first, first parents. They're about to take their first step. They get the second kid. Please do not let them take their first step. They're easier to deal with when they're a blob just laying there. Because once they get moving... See, that's God. God knows that we need to get up and fall down and hit our head and cry and sit there and wonder, but eventually we get up and we try again, and we try again, and we try again. And I just need to get you out of the mindset that if you have fallen over, that somehow God is displeased, and I want you to get the impression in your mind that sometimes when you fall over, he's cheering you on. Because it's going to make you stronger. It's going to make your legs stronger. It's going to give you more balance. And I'm sure of this, that he began to good work and you will bring it to completion on the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you because I hold you in my heart for you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense of the confirmation of the gospel. So you are partakers with me. Chapter 2. I hold you my heart for your particular be of grace, both in my imprisonment and the defense of the confirmation of the gospel. You've joined into this whole thing. This whole thing that caused me to be imprisoned, this whole thing to do what I've done, you've joined in because you've seen the bigger picture. By the way, not everyone saw the bigger picture. When Paul was arrested, there are those specifically even out of the church in Ephesus who said, well, if Paul got arrested, he must have done something wrong. Therefore, they disconnected themselves to Paul. By the way, we hear rumor about people, or we hear something, and what we do is we go, oh, they, that must be because of when we haven't really either gone to them and found out the full story or found out what was going on. And that was happening to Paul. But the Philippi church jumped right in and helped out. Chapter 2. So in doing this, I want you to understand that he's going, look, I get it. You saw the bigger picture and have partnered with me and been partakers with me of the grace that looks at. Verse, verse 8. For God is my witness how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. I yearn for you with the affection of Christ Jesus. Verse 9. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment. Now we're going to unpack this verse more significantly. It is my prayer that your love, by the way, this is where we get in trouble. Love for us is, I love my haircut, I love my steak, I love my wife, I love my dog. They're not all the same love. Okay? But the problem we have is, is that we just hear the word love and we go, oh yeah, I pray that you're love. Oh yeah, I'm a loving person. Nope. Let me explain something to you. 
It took agape love to have Jesus go to the cross. That is the love we're talking about. If you want to know the love we're talking about, think of the love that took Jesus. By the way, who said very clearly, I don't want to do this. I wish there was another way out. Not my will, but your will be done. That was love for his father, and by the way, love for us that sent him to the cross. That's the love we're talking about. It is my prayer that your love, that love that sacrifices, that love that keeps pushing into the place that it hurts, that love that goes in. Now, I want you to know that he's saying, look, I want you to know that prayer that your love, now he's going to do something really interesting here, may abound more and more. Now, let me talk about the word abound. The word abound is this idea of overflowing, right? Abound. It's a big word. It's a good word. And if he would have just said, I wish your love may abound, that would have been enough. And if he then would have said, I wish your abound would, have lo- would abound more, that would be enough. But he says, I pray that your love may abound more and more. See, this is this growth that needs to come. And again, it's not this I love my dog love. For some of you, your love for your dog needs to calm down. Treasure Liebers. <laughs> Listen, Treasure loves her dogs more than I think I love my boys. So that's just how that all just works right there. But here's the deal. It's this idea, though, that, that again, my love is this love that continually understands I got to step, step into sacrifice and hurt and pain. And, listen to me. Listen to me. And forgiveness. And to walk away from bitterness. And to walk away from all the things that are in my flesh. That's the love we're talking about. And he goes, and if that love will abound more and more, wow, powerful things take place. Now look at this next part. It says that in that with knowledge and all discernment. Verse 10. So that you may approve what is excellent. That you may approve what is excellent, so that you may approve what is excellent. See, what is excellent is when people start living as Christ would have them live. That is what is excellent. And so be, and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. That you're not holding all this junk, and you're not dragging all this baggage, and you're not bringing all this pain, and you're not bringing all this, You've forgiven people. You've let them go. You've forgiven yourself and let yourself go. You've stepped into where people, yes, by the way, you are justified in giving them judgment. But by the way, you'd be more loving to give them grace. Because by the way, that's what you, you want, right? Again, I've said this over and over again. I want justice for everybody else. I want grace for me. Turn that around. I would love it to be that I give grace for everyone else. And I really look at myself and go, Jeff, what do you have to change in you? So that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. Filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of our God. Filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. Meaning the fruit that you're going to get of righteousness, living rightly, doing rightly, comes through Jesus Christ. Not your own actions. Not because you read the rules and you live by the rules. All I know is when I read the rules, it tells me how far can I push the line. Jesus Christ tells me how closer can I get to him. Jesus Christ says, how can I be more like him? And there becomes the battle. And the fruit that comes out from me being more like him, then I'm where I want to be. 
filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. To the glory and praise of God. May what I do bring glory and praise to God. And to that we need to say amen. Now I want to go back to this verse 9. And it's my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment. By the way, it does take knowledge. You do need to study about Christ more. Again, the purpose of us being in God's word is to know the nature of who Jesus is. To know his heart. To know how he would function. To know what he would do. And so again, the least of these, why was he more comfortable with the least of these than he was with the Pharisees? How do we step into those places and go, God, these are your children, and not put our eyes on something else? With all knowledge and all discernment, may your love, this love that, by the way, is the love that sent Jesus to the cross, abound more and more. Okay. Now, that is a good beginning of a letter. Amen? And he's just coming in going, first of all, I love you. I have joy over you. My heart's for you. This is great. By the way, God has started a good thing in you. I do that. But by the way, abound in that love more and more, a love that will take you where you need to go. And by the way, do that so there is this place where you're reaching out to people. And at the end of the day, God gets the glory. That's a good beginning of a letter. And then we get to the part that the, Phil, the Philipp, Philippi people were probably looking for. Now, he just gave them a message they need to listen to, but this is what they were looking for. Verse 12. Now, you need to, let's, just, let's just be honest here. I think we take our humanity out of Scripture. What that means is, is that um, if, if, if we heard um, uh, of one of our missionaries, uh, Joel, who um, was on staff here, if, if he ended up in jail, trust me, that news would go around this place pretty quick, right? What happened? What took place? What's going on there? And again, rumors and all the other junk that we go through that. We do it all the time with celebrities. We do it all the time, right? And, and it's just this idea of just people looking for whatever it is. Paul is in prison. The church in Philippi has sent him a blessing. They want to know what's happening, and he's responding to their concern. Verse 12, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. Paul's in prison. For many of them, that believe, they believed that was the end. Listen to me. You need to hear me on this very clearly. Paul being in prison meant that was the end. He's this missionary gone to go to the Gentiles. He's been all over the known area. He's been doing. He's in prison. Can't go. So in their mind, done. End of story. Close of book. With the next few verses, Paul's going to reopen the book. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. And the person who's reading this going, what? You in prison has served to advance the gospel. Well, let's unpack that. Verse 13. Hold on. Oops, when you go back too far, this is what happens. Sorry. You're all good as long as you don't hit the wrong button. 
Verse 13. So that has become known, so that, I'm sorry, so that it has become known throughout my whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. Listen. The imperial guard is now his new inner circle. This is what we understand happened. Paul's under house arrest. Under house arrest, you still had to send a guard there. The guard would come as a Roman guard. They would sit there. They're doing nothing but hanging out with Paul all day. You think Paul's just going to sit there and say nothing? No. So get what happened was Paul would convert his guard. The Romans would be like, what happened? You know that guy? Yeah, he believes in Jesus now. Well, then give him a new guard. Get that guy out of there. Paul's like, yes, new guard. He converted that guard. We'll get that guy out of there. New guard. Paul goes, this is great. The Romans keep sending me people to share Jesus Christ with. Listen, but you need to understand something because this is how he would win them over. Have you ever, I had a friend of mine, well, Danny has gone, has, has gone and done ministry inside of prisons, or maybe you've met somebody. If you meet someone in prison, the question that's going to come up is this question, what are you in for? It's a pretty, right? You're in here. How did you get here? Oh, I robbed robbed the bank, or oh, I stole a car, or whatever, right? Find out what they're in for. That's kind of a kind of a deal if you're talking with somebody in jail. So the Romans would show up to Paul and go, so what are you in for? Yes. There's the opening. Um, well, I could be free. Matter of fact, uh, three different times, I've had three different leaders tell me that they would set me free, but I asked to come to talk to Caesar. So wait a minute. You could be out of your chains. Yep. But I asked each time to go to Caesar. So you chose to be in the chains. Well, until I talked to Caesar. Huh. Why? Because I want him to hear the message of Jesus Christ. Look how Paul ends this verse. It has become known throughout the whole imperial guard that to, and to all the rest that my imprisonment is what? For Christ. Not because of. For. He is telling them, I'm in these chains for him. And then, by the way, if you're a Roman going, wait a minute, why? That would need a follow-up question and a follow-up answer and a follow-up discussion and a conversion. That's what would take place. So, hey, Philippi Church, what you thought was the end has become the beginning, and they keep sending me people to share, the G- share Jesus with. This is awesome. Here we go. Verse 14. And. Oh, that's not just the end of it. That word and is so amazing. If it was just that the imperial guard is being one to Christ, that's great. And. Woohoo! More stuff. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Those watching have found out that, hey, Paul went to prison, 
and guess what? God's using him there. So wait a minute. If God is using Paul in prison, if I get and I speak, then maybe God would take me to prison and I could be used by him. Wait a minute. I don't lose in this story. So then people who are afraid because if they were afraid of getting in prison, go, wait a minute. All that means is a different ministry in a different location. By the way, this is what happens in China. The house churches in China, the pastors for years have said, I will pastor this church unabashedly, yes, underground. But if they catch me, they're just going to send me to a prison where I get to share Christ with the prisoners in prison. Because they have a joy deeper than our joy. I need you to understand what's being happening here. Listen, you cannot stop a church that sees the obstacle as a new opportunity. You cannot stop a church that sees an obstacle as a new opportunity. I have said for years, I believe that probably in the state of California, in the near future, that the state of California is going to take away the nonprofit status of churches. And we will see that as an obstacle. And I'm telling you right now, we better start seeing it as an opportunity. If they take away things and we go, oh, it's over for us, that's the end, then we don't understand who God is. We need to start seeing obstacles as opportunities because that's what Paul's saying. You put me in prison, I'm just going to worship to anybody they put me with. And we need to see the heart of what's happening and it's happening for other pastors who go, wait a minute, I'm going to be more bold because the end of the story is they put me in jail and I get to witness to more people. Some indeed preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. Now we're going to get to the other issue that happens in the city of Rome. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. So there are those in the city of Rome, pastors, who are preaching the gospel, who understand exactly why Paul is put there. They get it, they understand it, they're for that, and by the way, they are preaching the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. Wait a minute. What's going on here? Here's the problem. I want you to see this because this gets scary beautiful. Scary beautiful. Christianity starts in the city of Jerusalem. We know that. It starts with the 12 apostles, starts at Pentecost with this person named Peter. The apostles are doing a great work and they're doing great in the Jewish uh, the Jewish culture there. This guy, by the way, the name of Saul, Saul basically comes in with the stoning of Stephen and scatters the church. Some of those Jews make it all the way up to Rome and establish a beachhead of Christianity in the city of Rome, but they're Jews. This Saul becomes converted and becomes Paul. Paul is given the message to go to the Gentiles. Here's the problem. The Jews are really not that excited about letting the Gentiles into Christianity because they're more into their Judaism than they are about what's going on. So what happens is, is that when Paul starts preaching that the Gentiles have access, it's a problem for the Jews, even the Jewish Christians, and those are called Judaizers, which they were saying this, yes, become a Christian, but first, become, first of all, become fully Jewish. When you become fully Jewish, then you'll have access to Jesus, which is not true. It's not healthy. It's not right. Paul's coming along saying, no, it's not about that. Let me just show you from the book of Romans where he writes this. This is Romans chapter 3, 28 through 31. 
For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from, the, from, from works of the law. Or is God the God of the Jews only? Is he not the God of the Gentiles also? Yes, of Gentiles also. Since God is one who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith, do we not overthrow the law by, by this faith? By no means. On the contrary, we uphold the law. So what he's trying to say is, look, the fact is, yes, you who came through the Jew side, great for you, great for you. But don't, do not stop those coming from the Gentile side. But what's happening in Rome while he's imprisoned is that the Judaizers are preaching Christ in hopes to make their way more right. And the Gentile guys are preaching Christ and making him right. But I love this. What then? Watch this. Only that in every way, whether in pretense, sorry. What then? Only in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and that in that I rejoice. So this is Paul. Those who want to preach against me, great, Jesus is preached. Those who are preaching with me, great, Jesus is preached. This is what he's saying. At the end of the day, if people are hearing Jesus, I'm good. Now, the Judaizers, he will correct them later, but you need to understand something. What he's trying to say is this. Those who are against me, I don't care, because I'll sit in this jail, and if they keep preaching Jesus, I have joy. And if those who are, were afraid are going to preach now more, I have joy. Do you see why we're putting joy as the theme for this whole thing? In this I rejoice. So what do you do with a guy who, by the way, you go, oh, good. Let's put him in jail. He goes, great. I can preach to the Romans. Let's beat him. Awesome. I'll go sit in the jail cell and I'll win people to Christ. Well, let's shipwreck him. Great. We'll find a way. He, you can't keep someone down who just keeps seeing that everything that God is doing to him is for his glory. Let me show you this. So in this, it says this. As long as Christ is proclaimed, in that I rejoice. Now, by the way, in your Bibles and in your apps, you're going to find out that then it says, yes, I will rejoice. This is one of the times, and you need to know the little numbers in your Bible were not put there by God. Okay, that was a little reference we put in later to help people find things. That little number that is that next to that 19 should be in front of that, yes, I will rejoice, right? It's just off by a line. It's okay. But here's the point. That's where we're going to start next week. But it says this, I rejoice. Because here's Paul. Hey, church of Philippi, whatever you're hearing, I win. Do you know how I win? Because Jesus wins. Do you know how Jesus wins? Because no matter what reason they're doing it, they're preaching his name. Hey, church of Philippi, don't worry about me. I'm in cha- chains, but God's using it for his glory. This is my new inner cir- circle. Hey, church of Philippi, don't worry about me. You had a work starting you. Don't let it stop. Keep growing in that. By the way, love. Love in that heartbreaking, hard love that, by the way, and abound in it more and more. Hey, church in Philippi, I love you so much. I have so much affection for you because you have partnered with me from the beginning. But I'm telling you, I'm sitting in jail and you're worried about me? Don't. God is using this situation. God is using this situation. Church, let me say this to you. When we can get to the point that no matter what God is doing, as long as he is glorified, we can sit there and give praise to God, then we have arrived. 
Until we've gotten there, folks, it is a battle. It is a battle. It is a battle. Now, here's my last little bit. As a church in Philippi goes, wait a minute. Paul in prison, joyful. Where have we heard that before? Acts chapter 16, verse 25. Paul was put into prison by the Roman officials of the city of Philippi. And at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the promises were listening. And, and sorry, and the prisoners were listening to them. Oh, that's how our church started. Is a joyful Paul in prison singing hymns to God. That's how the church in Philippi started. This should not be news to the church in Philippi. This is how God uses Paul. That wherever God puts Paul, in jails, in stocks, in Philippi, Paul praises God, and in that, a church was started. So it should not be odd that he sits in jail in Rome and says, it's all good. It's all good. Folks, I hope that as we unpack Philippians with you, that you'll be challenged to see what about you Are you going to abound more and more in this love that says I forgive and I walk into these these places and I just struggle because I love Jesus that much? Because if we do, we'll begin to make changes in our inner circles. We'll make changes to the people that someone puts next to us in our cubicle or us on the bus or us in our classroom or us in our neighborhood or the new person that moves in on the street or the person that is going to be our new partner at the job. Oh, you just gave me another person to share Jesus with. I'm good. He didn't say it was going to be easy. He said it would bring his father glory. Let's change our hearts and our perspectives and see that if Jesus is preached, if Jesus is preached, then we're good. We're good. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for our time in this book. I thank you that we get to see.